It's September, and you may be thinking that it's too late to order chicks, but I'm happy to let you know that it's not too late. If you go to My Pet Chicken, you can still order chicks, and it's actually a brilliant idea. It is, because chicks hatched in the fall will be laying by spring. So go to MyPetChicken.com slash DrinkAndFarm and get started on your fall chick order. And while you're there, My Pet Chicken also has day-old ducklings available. So maybe just add a few of those to your cart, too. Make sure you go to MyPetChicken.com slash DrinkAndFarm to browse their chick and duckling selections. That link lets them know that we sent you, and it's a great way to support our podcast and fulfill all of your poultry addiction needs. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Bev. What you drinking today? I picked out the most basic of beers I could possibly find. Oh, boy. It is a Pumpkinville Latte by Ellicottville Brewing Company. (laughs) Um, Yummy. It's a pumpkin ale brewed with coffee, and I'm really, really excited to drink it. (laughs) I'm jealous because I do not have pumpkin anything for our beer today, but but you know what? You said that you would drink a pumpkin beer for this episode, and you you did it. You set a goal and crushed it. (laughs) Yes, I'm going to have to celebrate that later. (laughs) Maybe with another beer. Exactly. So what are you drinking over there? So I am drinking the Mitten Brewing Company's Mango Gold, which is a tart wheat ale. And Mm. it is like a little over 80 degrees here today. And uh, for anybody that didn't see it on my Instagram, uh, we have baby goats today, which is Thursday, September 3rd. And I smell like goat, like literally they were born like an hour and a half ago. So I smell like goat and I was very warm in the barn. So I needed something refreshing. (laughs) So no pumpkin for me, but I did have pumpkin coffee this morning. So, you know. I just wanted to tell you, I took a drink of this beer and it's so good. I almost moaned. (laughs) (laughs) Which would have been really awkward when I was talking about my beer. <laughs> yeah, it would have been. <laughs> so so it's one that I have to find and try then. Got it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, the brewery is from Ellicottville, New York. Oh. Um, but they must distribute, you yeah. know, nationally at least, or at least regionally. So you can probably get your hands on this. I'll have to Google it. <laughs> And our drink peep this episode is our friend Ashley Kiernan, which is at Ashley Kiernan over on the Instagram. So cheers, lady. Cheers. Uh, before we dive into this week's episode, which has nothing to do with what I'm about to say, um, I just wanted to announce that September is National Chicken Month. And that's Ooh. pretty dang exciting. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is. So we accidentally had a chicken giveaway during yeah. the first week of <gasps> National Chicken Month. Happy accident. Amazing. I mean, we should yeah. celebrate that too. <laughs> Drink. <laughs> we'll just turn this whole episode into a drinking game. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I I actually almost picked up a Trapel Ale uh for this episode and then I, and it was like Ooh. a pint size can and i'm like okay no because i have to cut umbilical cords in a little bit so i should probably just drink a, a regular one yeah the last trip to the beer store that jared made i specifically asked him not to get me any tripels i love them but i can't drink them on the podcast because like by <laughs> the end of the episode i'm just not i'm just not like I'm not on topic anymore. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it makes the episodes too weird and too hard to edit. So, like, they're better when we're just, like, having fun, not getting super drunk. (laughs) So, uh, Sober Bev is watching out for what makes Drunk Bev do the things she does. So, Sober Bev has an easier time editing the podcast. I love it. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Way to look out for your future self. Exactly. (laughs) So in today's episode, we're going to talk about Nigerian dwarf goat udders and teats and the pros and cons of using a milk machine. Woohoo! I'm super excited because, I mean, I know some things about goat udders and teats, but I don't have any experience with a milking machine on a goat. I barely have experience with a milking machine <laughs> on a goat, but we're going to talk about it anyways. <laughs> with the caveat that I'm still very new to it, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe that makes it more fun because I can go back and listen later. Be like, wow, I know so much more now than I did then, which is kind of the point, I suppose. <laughs> so you may be wondering why we need to talk about goat udders and teats because like don't all those that kid lactate so like what does it matter they got an udder they got teats we're good right but if you sit down and try to hand milk a dough that has an udder or teats that don't really conform then (laughs) you will fully fully understand why you need to look at these things (laughs) yep So that's kind of how this topic came to be, because I've been hand milking Tonks for about three weeks now, and I've been struggling a little bit with it. Like, and I think most of the struggle has been kind of normal struggle, because like, I'm new at milking, and she's a first freshener. So like, basically, neither of us know what we're doing, and we're coming together and trying to make a thing happen, which Mm -hmm. makes it so much harder. (laughs) Right. And it has gotten a lot better. Like I can hand milk her and get a cup of milk out in 10 minutes, which is like a record. It was taking us 30 (laughs) to do that. And she was like super impatient with me by the end of that 30 minutes. Um, But she's still pretty dancey. When I say she's dancey, she like moves her back hooves a lot. Like, you know, Uh kind of just like shimming her hooves and stamping on the milk uh, stand. So I can't milk both teats at the same time because she would kick the bucket over, which would make me cry, especially Mm -hmm. if it was full. Yeah, you cry (laughs) over spilled milk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Uh I totally would. Um, And she's also still nursing three babies. Mm -hmm. So like the amount 
I think doesn't really matter. That's not really the goal right now is to get as much milk out of her as possible. The goal is like to figure out what the heck we're freaking doing. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And get into a routine. Yeah, get into a routine because I definitely don't want to accidentally make the baby goats go hungry. Like they're trying to grow and two of them I've retained for the herd. So like Mm -hmm. I want them to grow as best as possible. So I don't want to do anything that jeopardizes that. Right. But after we've been finishing our milking sessions, uh, something has felt kind of off, just a little more off than just like we're both new at this. So I expect it to be hard, but I haven't quite been able to put my finger on it. So after I've been done milking every time, I'd go and watch a different YouTube video on how to milk. And then the next morning, I would try to adjust my hand position to the way that the video showed. And something still just hasn't been clicking. So what I did is I snapped a photo of her udder. And I decided to compare it to other goats' udders because it's kind of the best way to get an idea of like, you know, what it is that you're working with. Mm-hmm. And um, to do this, I went to the website for uh, the lady that I use to take my goats to go breed because um, she actually like posts all of the, you know, professional info that people look for when they're goat mm-hmm. shopping. So she's got like the udders from all the angles of all the generations and all that stuff. And as soon as I pulled up a photo of the udder of the dam that had the sire that we used for our herd, I knew immediately what the difference is and it's her teat size so tonks teats are like half the length of my thumb (laughs) just like teeny tiny tonks teats yeah tonks tiny teats (laughs) that can be the name of the episode there you go (laughs) there we go i think that that's probably gonna be it (laughs) Uh, poor thing her teats are famous but thankfully, even though her teats look so tiny right now, everything else looks really great. So I was super excited about that. Uh, for comparison, the photos of the does I was looking at had teats that were large enough to wrap my hand around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like They were like, they're very, what's the word I'm looking for? Like Elongated. Yes, elongated, but they're like also like a good width. Like they just they they look like little handlebars underneath. Yeah, yeah, and that's I'm I'm sure that those goats have experience, if you know what I mean. Which sounds way dirty dirtier than I meant it to. <laughs> yeah, well, no, and you actually you nailed it on the head. So because Tonks is a first freshener, this is totally normal for her teats. Mm-hmm. So eventually they will or they could, I guess I should say they could, not that they will, they could end up looking like that because with use, a goat's teats sort of elongate and also start to be able to hold milk a little better, which helps like in the width department. Mm -hmm. So her tiny teats don't necessarily mean that she's not going to someday be like a really easy or great milker. It just means that she's the first freshener and they haven't been broken in yet, essentially. Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and you know, it's kind of funny. Um, 
Well, it's not really funny. It made me a little sad because I went and looked, you know, at the photos of um, the sire that we use for that we mm-hmm. used for Tonks. Um, we went and looked at those other photos and I wanted to look at Tonks Dam's utter photos and I couldn't find them because the farm that I bought her from doesn't have an online presence anymore. So they don't exist anymore, or at least they don't exist on the internet. So I don't have any like easy comparison to try to get an idea of what Tonks Teats could look like after Mm -hmm. a second or third freshening. But like those utter photos totally made me realize why exactly that's how goats are advertised and why people who are you know more professional at this are purchasing goats and asking about other photos and like the other photos of the sire's dam and you know other photos from two or three generations back because you can get an idea of what your goat's udders and teats could look like, you know, a few freshenings down the road from now, which is really important if you're looking for a hand milker, because like, if you don't have the right features, it's really, really hard. (laughs) Yeah, you just gotta stare at a lot of TD pictures (laughs) yeah pretty much (laughs) um yeah and I'll say too like Maya's given birth three times now and I haven't hand I still haven't hand milked her um but you can tell that she's that her teat size has changed over time because of like you said that use same with Diana like I have hand milked her and that was terrible because she has spur teats and all four of them are functional all four of oh the yeah that's holes. right so it goes everywhere but even hers like looking at her today when she kitted like they're huge <laughs> compared to what they yeah. were originally um and this is her <laughs> third time as well so so yeah no it's totally a thing and it's a thing that you probably don't really think about once you're getting started with goats and then the first time you go and milk, unless like you, unless you just came across it in your research and your brain retained it, because you know when you're doing all that research, there's so much that you're learning that it's not possible to retain everything. Yeah, and I think that's the problem that I ran into. And I do remember reading somewhere that they don't really recommend people who are learning how to milk learn on a first freshener because of these issues yes. <laughs> and nigerians are like one of the smallest dairy goats breeds that you can milk so right there too you're setting yourself up for something that could potentially be very frustrating compared to a different kind of dairy goat that has like really yeah. big teats like it's that fit in your hand nicely <laughs> like it makes a big difference size matters and you just yes. have to learn to work around it <laughs> Exactly. So uh, now we're going to talk about like what makes a great udder in teats. And I wish that I had some like references to give people in the show notes for this. But apparently this isn't something that people like look into a ton because all I could really find was like people's opinions Hmm. on it and not like a whole lot. So what I kind of did was I read a few like milking blogs and then I looked at what like the American Dairy Goat you know society puts for uh, like linear appraisal things to look for in an udder and kind of put those together and they all kind of make sense so 
The thing about the udder and the teats is that they are actually really important if you're breeding your does for milking and for show because of what we just talked about. And um, it's a little less important, though, if you're breeding for pets. But while looking into this, I did see that if you have you know, some attachment issues or some other like weird issues that it could be hard for them to continue to produce milk and feed their kids down the road if they have like some real like utter deformities. So that's just something to think about. It sounds like Diana's teats are doing just fine since they're all functional, even though Um, they're a little off. (laughs) It helps, but like watching her kids figure it out is way different than watching Maya's kids figure it out. And by it, I mean figuring out, like, how to eat. Like, these guys did fine. Like, that, the first little boy that came out, within two minutes, he was looking for the tea. Like, and before I lifted his tail, I was like, it's got to be a boy. Because the boys always just go straight (laughs) for the teats, even with goats. Yep. So I was looking at it, and I was like, well, yep, okay. Um, But it took them about, both of them, as boy and a girl, it took them about 45 minutes to actually figure it out. And I think because, you know, the suction of it is just a little different because of the placement, it they have to work a little harder to get their milk than Maya's kids do. But I can tell that they're getting stuff out of it. And that's what matters at the end of the day. And then and that they're not really struggling. But as a a goat owner, that first hour is kind of stressful trying to just confirm like yep they're they're latching on their suction and they're getting what they need so just even for ease of your mind um and this pregnancy was an oops like most of them have been around here but now we have separate pastures so hopefully it was the last one um it, it's just yeah it's just gonna be easier on you as a goat owner if you want to breed even just for pets and funsies like your goat should have normal butter and teats highly recommend yeah <laughs> it's good to have your experience with that because I'm just like making stuff up over here when it comes to that I had to go with what the internet said yeah don't do it it's it's diff- more difficult than it needs to be we'll just put it that way yeah that makes sense So when you're looking at a goat's udder, there are two things that you're kind of looking at. One of them is the texture. Uh, They can be kind of soft and pliable feeling. So like when you squeeze them, you know, they kind of go in a little bit and have a little bit of give. Uh, And the reason why you want a soft, pliable udder is because it's easier to squeeze milk out of than a tough or a hard udder. Mm-hmm. And a tough or a hard udder, you don't want to confuse it that with being an udder that's full of milk. Because when an udder is all the way full, it's really like tight and tough. Right. <laughs> right. But as you milk, it quickly starts to soften and gets easier to get stuff out until it becomes what we like to call a flaccid udder. And then that becomes really hard to get milk out of, too. So there's like a happy <laughs> medium. <laughs> It's like Goldilocks and the Three Bears, but with udders. Yep, <laughs> exactly. This one's too big. <laughs> this one's too small. 
And it's also good to know that the texture of the udder will change throughout the lactation cycle. It tends to get just a little tougher as it gets towards the end of the lactation cycle. Um, but a soft udder won't harden to the point of being unmilkable. And you can learn how to hand milk a tough udder. So it doesn't mean that you totally won't be able to milk. Um, but it will be a little harder on your hands. You'll have to have stronger hands for a tough udder. Um, and tough udders don't typically get softer as time goes on. So it's good to know that. Mm-hmm. And one of the other things you want to be looking for on an udder is how it attaches to the body. And attachment is a really hard thing to describe. You just want to look at a lot of pictures of what a healthy udder looks like. But it, like the best words I could think of to describe it is high and tight. Like you want it to look like it connects mm-hmm. really well all the way around the body. Yeah. Diana's versus Maya's like Maya's is like just like the cutest udder when it's so full and you feel bad because you can tell like it's got to be heavy. Um, And then Diana's just looks like just like saggy udder like saggy tits <laughs> her udder looks oh, okay. like um it and it's kind of more like oblong than round um, oh. so it's definitely a thing um and then because her her teats will get so full like it almost looks painful um and we did an episode where i thought she had mastitis because of the way her udder looked before so it definitely you can definitely tell the difference between what like a what is meeting conformance and what is not on my farm just based on the goats that I bought for different purposes. And it's definitely, um, you can tell the difference. So (laughs) maybe we'll do like, maybe I can do a comparison photo and put it up on the Patreon, um, between Maya's utter and Diana's utter. So people can see what I'm talking about, but yeah, you could big difference, really big difference. Oh yeah. That would be good. I have a couple photos for Patreon too, because I have a photo of Tonks's, teats uh and udder from the back what they look like uh pre milk machine and what they look like post milk machine because there's a huge difference in that too and I was not prepared for that when I took the milk machine off so I thought that would be good for people to see so if anybody (laughs) does decide to milk with a milking machine you don't freak out like I did when I first saw it (laughs) oh my god I ruined her teats (laughs) pretty much that's exactly how it went So when you're looking at teats, there's a couple of things that you need to be looking at. Uh, One of them is the orifice size. So the orifice of the teat is the hole that the milk comes out of. Teeny tiny like pinhole orifices will take forever to milk out. Mm -hmm. Um, They do grow just a tad as a dough matures, but they don't change as drastically as the teat length does. And from what I could find on the internet, the teat length is actually kind of a personal preference. Um, And that makes sense because everybody's hands are shaped differently. Mm -hmm. Um, But the length of the width of your first two fingers is sufficient. So anything longer 
then the width of your first two fingers together should be long enough to milk. And actually, um, Tonks's tiny teats is just barely <laughs> shorter than the width of those fingers. <laughs> just, just barely. <laughs> and it's because on a Nigerian dwarf goat, you usually milk with the thumb and those two fingers, um, oh, you know, because their yeah. teats are just smaller. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Not like a cow where you like use the whole hand. Yeah. Um. And like we've already said, they do get longer as they're worked more. So as long as you start, you know, within a reasonable range of that, it will get more comfortable as your dough freshens more and as you get better and build the skills and the muscles needed for hand milking. And the diameter of the teat is important too. You want them to be plump enough that you can squeeze them and milk comes out, but you don't want them to be too meaty. Um, and that's kind of a hard <laughs> word to describe over a podcast too. Like if they're too meaty, like if it's just like flesh that's in there and it's not, you know, like the, the milk tubes and apparatus then when you squeeze you'll have a harder time getting the milk to actually flow down to the bottom that makes sense and then you also want the diameter of them to be about the diameter of your thumb was what i could that was the Hmm. consensus that i found and you also want to pay attention to the direction they point. Uh, they can kind of point any direction. Like, and yeah. some on some goats, one points one way and one points the other way. Mm-hmm. I know that pain from Diana. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but you want them to point downwards. Um, you want the orifice opening to point downwards towards the floor of the milk stand because that's where the milk will aim. If you're, you know, using proper milking technique. I actually sprayed myself in the face the other day with milk. Uh, but that was my fault. <laughs> I usually end up with like a little bit on me at some point. So I just I change into like barn clothes before I go out into the barn to milk. I don't usually like get ready yeah. for the day before I go milking because it's just it's not worth it yet. <laughs> no. So uh, those are the things that you're kind of looking for. And putting this together and having a little goat experience, now I feel like I understand the process for like intentionally going out and finding a goat now, you know, than I did a few years ago. Yeah, for sure. So hopefully that's helpful to anybody else that's in that stage at this point. If you're looking for a high-quality chicken coop that will keep your chickens safe, dry, and cozy with the seasonal changes, you must check out Cutest Coops. We both have the Charming Coop on our farms, which is the smallest coop Cutest Coops offers. Not only are these coops adorable, they have been carefully engineered for easy assembly. The Charming Coop is only available unassembled, but is pre-primed and ready for paint. It offers a spacious interior, high-quality, weather-resistant materials, and comes with all the same great features as the other coops offered on the Cutest Coops website. The 4x4 footprint makes the Charming Coop perfect for smaller spaces, city living, or to get the kids involved with backyard chicken-keeping activities. This coop is ideal for five to eight chickens. And great news, these coops are in stock and ready to ship. So you won't have to wait very long to have this gorgeous coop on your property. Check them out at cutestcoops.com and use code COOPANDFARM to get $100 off your coop. 
Okay, so now we're going to switch gears and talk about milking machines because I just totally bought one. (laughs) Yay! I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, I feel like a really great wave of relief now that I have one. Mm -hmm. Just because it was a lot of pressure, like to try to figure out how to make sure that I was doing this milking thing right with a new dough that doesn't know how to milk either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it's a lot to throw into your morning routine. Yeah, it is. Um, but before we talk about like why I bought a milking machine, part of it is definitely to make my life a little easier. Um, and the pros and cons of one, I wanted to discuss something else about using a milking machine that I just like feel like I have to get off my chest. And I think the reason why I feel like I have to get it off my chest is because I'm not going to lie. When I bought the milking machine, I kind of felt like a tiny wave of shame, like I had failed at hand milking. And it was you know, one of the things about it, too, is when I told Jared that I bought a milking machine, like, he just kind of looked at me like, what the hell? Like, you just started this and you already decided <laughs> to give up on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, that's fair. We've been working on this, like, whole goats and, like, goat milking thing for, like, so many years. He's like, dude, you kind of got to give it a little more time than that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't necessarily buy it because I didn't think I was going to get good at hand milking eventually. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that I will get there. It's one of those things that, like, takes practice. You got to learn how to do it just like all of this other shit that we do around here. Like, you're just not very good at it at first. But sometimes there's not a lot of time in the day to, like, get really good at it. And some things, like, you really just, you got to get the tools that you need, like, to make it happen when time is just not your friend. (laughs) Right. And I wanted to just like kind of start with that because I don't want anybody to feel like they have to do things a certain way just to impress somebody else. Because like Mm -hmm. I'm not here to impress my Instagram followers or our podcast listeners You know what I mean? Like, this is my life. I have to live with it. (laughs) So, like, impressing other people just can't be a part of it. Not if you, like, really, truly want to be happy or find joy in the things that you do. Like, those two things just don't work together. No. No. (laughs) So, now that I'm, like, feeling really confident about who I am and what I'm doing and why I'm doing things, I wanted to make sure that I said that for other people in case someone else had, like you know, been torturing themselves with something on their farm because they felt like they were supposed to do something a certain way. When the truth is, there just like really is no like way that you have to do things like you have to make this fit into your lifestyle if you're going to do it. Right. So do it the way that makes that easiest. <laughs> right. And and you want to ramp up your goat program, too. So it just maybe it just makes more sense. Like if you're going to be the only person doing that every morning, then heck yeah, maybe it makes more sense to have an automated way to do it, you know, and you're learning how to work the machine now when you just have one dough to worry about. So really, it's like, it's up to the person doing it. Like, there's no one right way for raising, you know, goats. So yeah, (laughs) bravo to you for saying F the Instagram haters, because they're probably there's they're always lurking. 
Um, and just doing what's best for you in your situation right now. Yeah. And like nobody said anything to me about a milking machine, but like I felt it a little bit. So I'm sure that other people have like, you know, gone to make a decision like that and been afraid of what other people would think of them. And, you know, just just don't do that. It's not necessary. (laughs) (laughs) So why did I buy a milking machine? So we're going on vacation in mid-October. And so I've kind of had this thing looming over my head that I had to get good enough at hand milking that I could teach somebody else how to do it while we're gone. Mm, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And three weeks into it, I've realized that that is just way too much. Like that is more than I'm really capable of. And it's also more than like the person who I'm going to have here watching the farm while we're gone can like be reasonably expected to do. Because like when someone else is watching your farm, like you need to set it up so that they're successful. (laughs) You know, not only because you want them to watch your farm again in the future, but you want to be able to leave your farm and feel good about it and feel good about the way that, you know, you're leaving your animals and the care of someone that's competent and and capable of doing everything that you're expecting from them. And I would need them to like start coming here now every day, hand milking with me. In order to have that. You know what I mean? So so I was like, we've got to get a milking machine because I just I can't expect somebody else to to do this since they have no experience hand milking either. Like they'd be starting just like I am. (laughs) And I didn't think that was very fair to them. So uh, I don't know if I'm going to use it every day. Right now I'm using it every day because I need to get I need to get the technique for it down you would think that it would just be like you know stick the things on and run it but it's not it's a little more complicated than that you want to make sure that you don't accidentally like injure your goat right you know you don't want to over milk them you don't want to under milk them you don't want to cause damage because that is really possible so i'm using it right now every day so that i can make sure that i have that process down so that i can really actually teach somebody else how to use it too (laughs) and then as her teeth get bigger i'll probably go back to doing some hand milking and during the coldest months of the year i'm totally going to use the machine because then my hands can stay in their gloves (laughs) and i can keep warm yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) so here are some pros and cons of a milking machine. Uh, This probably isn't all of them, but these were a few that I kind of thought of while I was considering purchasing one. So uh, one of the pros of a milking machine, and one of the reasons why a lot of people get one, is because they are super efficient. You get all the milk. It's super fast. Like, it takes like five-ish minutes for one goat, maybe just a little longer, you know, depending on how well you're getting Mm -hmm. things, you know, like put up there the first time. But uh, one of the cons of this is that the time that you save milking is usually spent sanitizing the machine after you're done instead. Yeah, because there's a lot of like tubes and cups and a vessel (laughs) for the milk to go in and everything. Like it's just like, uh, so I pumped and bottle fed Aurora Mm -hmm. and oh my gosh, every time I had to pump like I spent 30 minutes cleaning all that damn stuff out. It's just it's the same. <laughs> same thing. <laughs> uh, another pro of a milking machine is that it saves your hands and your arm muscles. I mean, 
those have been pretty sore on me for oh, the last that. few weeks. <laughs> they are just not used to working like that. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that you need to think about if you're going to switch to a milking machine is that if it breaks, you don't have a backup unless you've bought another milking machine. So I would highly recommend that, you know, you either have two, you know, one for a backup, mm-hmm. uh, or you also learn how to hand milk while you're learning how to do this, so that you have, you know, something to fall back on should the machine suddenly stop working, you know, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And they can stop working for all sorts of reasons. The first time I plugged mine in, I accidentally ran the tubes the wrong way and I was oh. running the, the cleaning solution through it. I ran cleaning solution straight through my machine the first time I used it. (laughs) I was like, damn it, I just opened it and I already broke it. But no, they they have figured that that's going to happen once or twice. So there's actually like an exhaust port on it and the actual Uh like machinery is like encased in something waterproof because it's been working just fine. So I did not break it. But I thought for a hot minute that I did. Uh, Another pro of the milking machine is that it keeps the milk really clean. And I was trying to think of a con and I was like, I don't have one because finding (sighs) hair in our milk is really gross. Like, I've had a really hard time keeping the milk clean. (laughs) Yeah. But I guess the con for this one is going to be that a milking machine is kind of pricey. So, I mean, you know, there's a trade off. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's a trade-off with everything. Uh, And then another pro is that anyone with clear instructions on how to use it can milk your goats. Um, And I believe that that's true. I mean, even I was super successful the very first time I used it. I got four cups out of her the first time I used it. Yeah, and I was like, oh, my God, I just took all the baby's milk. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, baby goats. Weaning starts early. (laughs) Yeah. Today, I only got a cup and a half. So I think Tonks was, like, in, uh, like, she, like, understood the milking machine thing and, like, held back a little bit. (laughs) So I might massage her udder a little while we're milking tomorrow and see if I can't get a little more. I'm hoping to get about two cups out of her with the machine while she's still feeding her her babies so we'll see how that goes tomorrow (laughs) um but one of the cons of the milking machine is that it does have the potential to injure your goat if it's not used properly so you want to make sure that you understand how to use it and you want to make sure that the person who you are having use it uh in your absence knows how to use it as well and knows what to look for like as a sign that something is going wrong. And so this morning, um, I was actually milking tonks and I I used a timer this time because I think I had it running a little too long yesterday and that's why I got four cups out of her. So I used a timer and I was getting ready to shut it off, but I looked and there was pink coming down the line. And I was like, tonks is bleeding. So I turned it (laughs) off and I pulled the port really fast so that the pink milk didn't go into my milking bucket. And I, you know, let the suction go away. I pulled it off and I was looking at her teats for injury and I didn't see any. So she didn't end up with an injury on the outside of her teats. But um, the way that milk is made is it's it's actually made like using blood. (laughs) So sometimes capillaries inside the udder can burst. And for some goats, pink milk is totally normal. So it sounds a little gross, but it's normal. 
So I won't freak out next time I see it. Uh, I will keep watching for it, though, just in case, because it could be the sign that there's a problem. But her udder feels healthy. She did. She didn't care. She wasn't concerned about it whatsoever. She fed her kids right away afterwards. So uh, I'm not worried about it. She might have just burst a capillary in there. You know, the, those heats like swell up really big while the milking machine is doing its thing. So <laughs> they're not used to that kind of pressure yet. <laughs> And uh, one of the things that I see as a pro a lot for milking machines is that you can do other things while your goat is being milked. But I'm actually not going to call that a pro. I'm going to say that that's kind of a myth because like you're only supposed to milk your goat for like five minutes. So what are you going to do in five minutes? Like, (laughs) I mean, maybe you can like knit or something. (laughs) maybe yeah you can knit and like keep looking up and like glancing up but like you want to make sure that they don't accidentally like step on the tubes like I've got barn cats like if a barn cat jumped up there while we were milking like she'd totally freak for a second and like you know get stuck in everything or rip a a teat cup off or like so you kind of want to stay close so I'm gonna use this time with the machine to like pet her and give her treats and maybe brush her you know stuff like that like I'll work on things for her while we're milking and not like try to squeeze in one more chore because huh. like we're already trying to pack a lot into days right right <laughs> so um i did actually get uh some questions when i i posted a story this morning and asked if anybody had any milking questions and ashley davis sent in two questions and one of them was um do you have a brand recommendation and cost and i can only tell you what i decided to purchase and it was called a hand top goat milking machine and it has a seven liter uh it has a seven liter milk canister with it and it is a pulsating milking machine so what that means is instead of having a constant suction it does that like suction let go suction let go so it's like a more natural type of of suction uh and it costs 209 bucks on amazon (laughs) so it was pretty dang affordable for what it was like the milk can is stainless steel all of the tubes seem to look to be like really high quality uh the motor is all encased in a like a nice tiny like metal container type of thing and i bought the one that is a rechargeable battery so i have a feeling mine's gonna wear out faster than one that plugs into a wall but i didn't want to be tied to a plug while we were milking because I have no idea where the milking stands like permanent home is going to be. So I decided to go for the rechargeable one. I was like for 200 bucks, like I can replace it, you know, every year, every other year. And it's not going to like totally kill us. So I thought for the peace of mind for, you know, people for guests that could be milking or for when I want to save my hands from being cold, like it was totally a worthwhile investment for us. So I have no idea how long it's going to last because I just got it. But the reviews on Amazon were really good. So I will post a link to it in the show notes so that if anyone wants to go check it out, they can. And Sam, I wanted to tell you, I actually found this milking machine by an ad on Facebook. Oh, creepy. (laughs) Yeah, which is something, though, that I said I'd never do is buy stuff from ads on Facebook. But (laughs) I wanted to tell you what I did instead was instead of like clicking on it and buying it through the link, I looked up the item on Amazon and read the reviews and they were all good. And they all like they didn't look like they were all, you know, written by 
people who didn't actually use the machine. <laughs> like they seemed legit. <laughs> and so far I've been really happy with it. And I searched I searched on Facebook for like cow groups and goat groups for other people who had used that machine and I found a couple of like threads about it. So I was like, okay, this is a legitimate machine. It's not like a fake product that they're going to send me. <laughs> And I was happy when it arrived. It was exactly what I wanted. And it seems to be working pretty well. Perfect. Yeah. Um, And Ashley Davis also asked, is the cleaning and maintenance easy and user friendly? And I will say, yes, it is really easy. It takes me about 10-ish minutes to clean the whole machine out. Um, But I'm also being like really thorough while I'm still figuring out, you know, like how to do everything. Like each, I run soap through everything. I scrub everything. I rinse everything really well, make sure everything dries out really good. Um, but it everything seems to be pretty obvious. Once you figure out how to like plug the ports in and everything, taking everything apart and putting it back together is it feels really intuitive. So I'm pretty happy with it. Good. So that's it. That's the end of goat teats and milking machines. <laughs> well, that was awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And we'll have to do a follow up and a couple weeks to see if it's gotten easier or if you have any other insight that you can share with the with the listeners. Yeah, and I'll also definitely let everybody know how my mother-in-law does with using the milking machine. <laughs> oh, She's going to do great, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> and in fact, I was kind of thinking about recording a video of me using it and putting it up on our YouTube so I could just send her a link. To that for how to use it oh, so if go. she needs to reference anything she would just go back and see it so i'll let everybody know if i decide to do that <laughs> well now it's time for we can't even corner Woo-hoo. yeah do you want to go this week first yeah i can go first i can enjoy my pumpkin latte beer <laughs> there we go so my can't even this week <laughs> is from akron beacon journal um, and the title of the article is Phallic Shape Shaped Meat Prompts Police Investigation. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so Wait. I won't <laughs> Yeah, I just said that all. <laughs> you, th- you just said all of that? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Phallic shaped meat prompts police investigation which either just sounds like a sounds like a mouthful no pun intended or like a really dirty puzzle from wheel of fortune (laughs) it's just not a normal sentence no Um, it's not (laughs) but basically like there is this person that said that she purchased a pack of smoked turkey tails from the grocery store to cook for dinner But as she was cooking them in beans, she said something didn't look right. And she was on a Facebook live stream and she's like, I'm going to call save a lot because this isn't right. And she said on her receipt, it said she bought turkey tails. Um, But the photo of the label she provided says smoked pork tails. Oh. So she went on Facebook live, um, something that she does regularly to ask friends if they saw what she did. Um, at first, she thought it was funny, uh, but the longer she looked at the item, the more she was concerned that the phallic-shaped meat could be from a human. So she called the police. <laughs> so the police came. So they took the mystery meat to the Summit County Medical Examiner's Office for testing. And according to the police report, um, the responding officers were told that she was concerned that the piece of meat was human remains 
she totally thought it was a penis. And like, if you look at the picture long enough, it it does look like it could be. Like, it's one of those things where you, like, stare at a cloud for a long time and you're like, that cloud looks like a puppy. You stare at this meat for long enough, you're like, that looks like a penis. So, I don't know. It, yeah. I like, the tip of it. I won't. The tip yeah, of it. I could see that. <laughs> I, I actually kind of think it looked like a T-bone steak. You know, like the meat oh. and the bone that's left after you're done, like, cutting the good stuff out of a T-bone. That's what I kind of thought it looked like. Well, hmm. it turns out that it was not a human penis. Thank goodness. But it w- it came back <laughs> as goodness. pork. So the label on it was correct. And it wasn't a turkey tail either, which was disappointing because you thought you were buying a turkey tail, which I didn't know like people would buy turkey tails and eat them. Um, I just don't eat a lot of turkey, I guess. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I thought that was interesting and just another reason to like slow down, really examine what you're buying before you buy it. And it's really great if you can know where your food comes from and what exactly it is. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. All right. So I, I know about your can't even because it was on the news this morning, but I didn't watch the whole thing. So I... I want to hear you describe your can't even. Please and thank you. (laughs) Yeah, this is hilarious. I wasn't sure if I was going to use it until I started reading it. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, I want to say all this. (laughs) So mine is one man's plea to his city council, rename boneless wings. And it says nothing about boneless chicken wings actually comes from the wing of a chicken. He told the Lincoln, Nebraska council. We've been living a lie for far too long. (laughs) And I agree. I agree with this man. (laughs) I mean, it's not wrong. It's just like just a little size difference between, you know, a boneless chicken wing and popcorn chicken. It's really not that different. Pretty much. Yep. It's the exact same thing. And popcorn chicken is not popcorn. So we're really living just so (laughs) many lies about chickens. And it's National Chicken Month. (laughs) So many food lies. (laughs) So the city council meeting on Monday in Lincoln, Nebraska, started like many others, a library board appointment, applications to sell liquor, questions to the parks department about trenching, and boring. Almost two (laughs) hours into the meeting, though, a man walked into the lectern and elevated a barroom debate. Alongside others, like, is a burrito a sandwich? And what isn't a ravioli? to a matter of civic importance. (laughs) Recorded on the city council's live stream, the man declared a grievance that was so petty that it almost could not help but find an audience of hundreds of thousands of people who have watched it in the days since. He said, Lincoln has the opportunity to be a social leader in this country. We have been casually ignoring a problem that has gotten so out of control that our children are throwing around names and words without even understanding their true meaning, treating (laughs) things as though they're normal. (laughs) But the world was not normal, Mr. Christensen said. I go into nice family restaurants and I see people throwing this name around and pretending as though everything is just fine. I'm talking about boneless chicken wings. (laughs) I propose that we as a city remove it. And this is where laughter interrupted. 
But Mr. Christensen had to plead, excuse me, (laughs) to get people to stop. (laughs) He presented his proposal that we as a city remove the name Boneless Wings from our menus and from our hearts. And no one interrupted now. (laughs) He started to rattle off his reasons, which were in line with the complaints of many, many commenters online. Nothing about boneless chicken wings actually comes from the wing of a chicken. We would be disgusted if a butcher was mislabeling their cuts of meats. You know, like calling turkey tails pork tails. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, we did not coordinate that on purpose this week. (laughs) No, we did not. But then we go around pretending as though the breast of a chicken is its wing. And he went on further to say that boneless chicken wings are just chicken tenders, which are already boneless. I don't go to order boneless tacos and I don't go to order boneless club sandwiches. It's just what's expected. (laughs) (laughs) And he said that mislabeling the chicken product was a full blown societal woe because our children are raised being afraid of having bones attached to their meat. And that is where meat comes from. It grows on bones. We need to teach them that the wing of a chicken is from a chicken and it's delicious. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. He made a bunch of recommendations for names. One of them was buffalo style chicken tenders or wet tenders or saucy nugs or trash. (laughs) Saucy nugs. (laughs) I kind of like saucy nugs. I think that I... I would sign that petition. (laughs) Rename (laughs) Boneless Wings to Saucy Nugs. (laughs) And he said that we can take these steps and show the country that that's where we stand and that we understand that we've been living a lie for far too long and we know it because we feel it in our bones. So this guy was just all full of chicken puns and food puns (laughs) and bone puns. (laughs) And apparently he got some applause and some people thought it was a joke, but it wasn't a joke. Um, because he said he would love nothing more than to have boneless wings removed from menus. So this, this article continues to go on like for forever. So I'm not going to read the whole thing. I had to read the good part though. (laughs) And it's from the New York times. There'll be a link in the show notes if anybody wants to read it. Uh, but I've actually said this to, so my son really loves boneless wings. I prefer wings with bones in them. And every time he orders them, I'm like, They are not boneless wings. They are chicken nuggets. (laughs) We do boneless wings here a lot when we order. Do you? So, yeah. Saucy nugs for the win. Saucy nugs for the win. But I thought that was a really good just piece of humor. All right. So make sure you guys send us your can't evens in the Facebook group. You can also send them via Facebook Messenger, Instagram, or email them to us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com. And be sure and leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts because we read one review a week on the show. And we also submit those into a drawing for a super awesome mug that is not and will never be in the shop. So you want to win that. And in fact, we get to announce a winner today. That's right. And August's winner is Darcy Leah or Leah L E A. There we go. No confusion Woo-hoo! there. So get a hold of us on Facebook or Instagram um, so we can collect your address and send you your mug. Thank you so much for leaving us a review. Yes. And do you want to read this week's review? 
I can do that. So this week's review is from Ashley2406, and the title is Oh Thank Goodness. And she says, I can't tell you how much fun this podcast is to listen to and to learn. I have dreamed my entire life of having a farm, and finally at 32, it is becoming true. We purchased acreage about a year ago and have slowly been getting ready. Now we are starting to build, and I can't wait wait to add all the things. I currently have 25 chickens and I can't wait to move them with me and love and love all the helpful tips. I especially love that you don't pretend to be perfect, which is great for a beginner like me to have confidence. Cheers to drinking and farming all the things. And she left us our her Instagram handle. So if she wins in September, it'll be super easy for her us to find her. Yes. And in fact, I think this is the same Ashley Davis that sent me the questions earlier about the milking machine. So perfect. (laughs) This was just Ashley's episode. (laughs) Yes. So just a few housekeeping items. Just a reminder that the episode's outtakes are exclusively for our Patreon peeps. And we also mentioned posting some photos up there. So check that out at patreon.com slash drink and farm. And you can become a Patreon peep at just $2 a month. But we have quite a few levels. Um, one that even opts you into uh, automatically receiving our monthly shirt. Yeah. And Drink and Farm has a phone number. It is 401-426-3276, which is 401-426-FARM. You can leave us a voicemail with your farm story, your questions, or your can't evens, and we will read them on the minisodes. Or play them on the minisodes, <laughs> not read them. <laughs> And we could really use your guys' help spreading the word about our podcast. And there's a few ways that you can help us out. First, hit the subscribe button and download the episode when you listen, because this helps boost our numbers and people will find us through their podcast service. And then you can also do us a favor and share this episode. Uh, We'll put up a post for it. Just share it in your Instagram stories and tag at Drink and Farm. And because we will super appreciate that, we will send you a promo code just for that episode. That'll give you a percentage off in our shop. Yes. So make sure that you take a look at the show notes. You'll find links to that milking machine and anything else that we need to. Like you could go check out the photo of that phallic looking meat. Uh Because everybody wants to see that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they do. And there's also a survey so you can tell us how we're doing anonymously, links to our social media, and our merch shop. So that's it, guys. That's it. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and talking about Tonk's Tiny Teats. (laughs) Yep. And until next time. Drink. Farm. And give zero clucks. Bye, guys. Bye. We drink things. We farm things. We drink and farm things. Grubbly Farms is the official poultry feed and snack sponsor of the We Drink and We Farm Things podcast. Grubbly Farms provides healthy, high-quality snacks and feeds for your feathered friends. Grubbly Layer Feed is free of fish, corn, and soy and is made with non-GMO ingredients. Grubbly Snacks has 50 times more calcium than mealworms, promoting stronger eggshells and flashier feathers. So head on over to grublyfarms.com and use code FARM15 to get 15% off your first order.